Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, the summer of 2023 is quickly coming to an end as the Labor Day weekend is quickly approaching. A lot of children are back to school, and uh, of course, a lot of folks are actually getting back to the regular pattern of uh, attending their local church after times of vacation and summer travels, and they're looking forward to getting involved with their local church and the children's uh, uh, programs at church as well. But we're going to talk about the church in Ohio is under attack. That is the title of today's message, and we've got documentation that has come into the office of the Ohio Christian Alliance that a number of churches have had severe vandalism in recent weeks in the month of August, and we don't know if this is coordinated through some type of uh, cultic or satanic um, uh, ritual group, uh, but there, uh, there seems to be an increase in severe attacks against the church, including uh, attempted arson and uh, destruction to the tens of thousands of dollars that is very upsetting to these congregations that are facing these assaults. I'm going to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Folks, we are living in perilous times. Let's go to a news report out of Washington County, Ohio, where a church was vandalized by four individuals and a minor is involved. Let's go there now. Dispatch to St. John the Baptist Church in Churchtown for a report of vandalism and theft on the morning of August 21st. Staff Lieutenant Eric Hunter says there is video evidence from inside the church showing four people and a child breaking items and ripping pages out of Bibles. Lieutenant Hunter says the child then got behind the wheel of the suspect vehicle afterward. After the church was ransacked, uh, the small child that was with them ended up getting into the suspect vehicle they drove there, uh, at which time the child ended up somehow knocking the vehicle out of gear. Nobody else was in the car. The car went down over a hill and crashed into a tree. The sheriff's office reports the child was not hurt. Marietta residents Chelsea Bills and Tyler Bills are incarcerated on charges of breaking and entering desecration and child endangerment. Desiree Lewis of Adamsville is in jail on charges of breaking and entering and desecration. Brooklyn Wyatt of Belpre is in jail with no bond until her initial court appearance Thursday. That is a report out of Washington County of Ohio, and I want to read to you also, an Ohio man arrested after attempting to light Catholic Church on fire vandalism. Uh, this is from August 16th. Police arrested a man Saturday suspected of attempting to light a Willoughby uh, Church 
on fire in addition to heavily vandalizing it, causing an estimated $20,000 in damages. Authorities say that Eric Beck, 30, of Painesville, Ohio, in Immaculate Conception Church after responding to a motion alarm call at 2 a.m., Beck was holding a broken handle to a shovel and was bleeding from his right hand, police said. Beck, who was highly intoxicated, ran out of the church and was arrested, police say. Beck is not a member of the church. Police said Beck entered the church through a chapel that is open at all hours to, and vandalized it. A photo of the chapel shows the broken crucifix, a knocked-over kneeler, and a smashed candle. Beck then entered the main church, damaging different areas such as objects on the altar and a candle area. Police said he left a trail of blood. Using a bottle and hand sanitizer, Beck then tried to light a carpet leading up to the altar on fire, police said. A photo of the hand sanitizer shows a light next to it. With me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis of uh, Live with Pastor Al here on this station, also a board member of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Pastor Al, these are disturbing reports. Your thoughts? Well, yes, Chris, and thank you for having me on. When we think about this, regardless of the denomination, regardless of whether we're Catholic or not, which, of course, both you and I are not, this is an attack on uh, what the world perceives as uh, Christian churches. And we can argue the, the, the theological differences later in another format, but for what the world sees, they see it as an attack upon Christianity. And this is one of a series of incidences, like you said, that's happened here lately uh, in Ohio. And uh, overall, we've seen incidences across the country, in Ohio in particular, are up this year compared to previous years. Um, I think it's part of the sign of the times in which we live. You read that there in Second Timothy chapter 3, that we live in perilous times. A little further down in verse 13, he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, which means they're going to get more and more of them. And uh, uh, when we realize what's happening, uh, we also put it in context with the pro-life uh, fight uh, that's coming up in November on the November ballot. Um, many things the devil is trying to discourage, I believe, Christians and uh, uh, try to silence churches uh, to keep us quiet so that we don't step out where people take notice of us, uh, which is actually what we're supposed to be doing. That, you know, God commands us to be salt and light in the world around us, and in the face of intimidation, sometimes people will kind of hide themselves and and not reach out and do the things that they ought to be doing. So uh, I do believe that uh, whether it's a group in particular, certainly the devil is trying to prevent uh, God's work from going forward. That's right. Here's another report uh, from Shelby, Ohio. Belmont Community Church on Main Street has started nightly revival services in response to attacks of vandalism committed in the church between Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. Emotions ran high, said Belmont Community Church Pastor Hank Webb. We're experiencing hurt and pain, but in moments we like this, we come uh, together against the trials. Uh, we believe uh, the leading of the hand of God. He goes on to say the church conducted a special service on Monday night. It was in response because the church had received heavy vandalism at the church. And I'm going to le- read to you how, uh, uh, let's see if it's in the same article, um, the known, uh, let's see, Bushley said the suspects also destroyed the church's public address system. So they went into the church, they destroyed 
uh, speaker systems, the sound system, uh, the address system. They literally just smashed it, uh, causing tens of thousands of dollars of damage. Uh, entry to the church was forced through a rear door sometime between Sunday at 2.30 and 11 a.m. Uh, Monday, in which damages were discovered. Any information to help the investigation? So that one, there's been no arrests made. And uh, this is, again, you know, a situation of this Shelby church where they received uh, terrible damage to their church, very frightening to the congregation. Pastor, your thoughts? Well, absolutely. Again, that's what, uh, the devil wants to intimidate us. He wants to frighten God's people to prevent us from uh, standing up and, and, and uh, being what we're supposed to be in the community. In Ephesians, Paul said, having done all to stand, and he goes on in the context to talk about being in a spiritual battle. And, you know, it, it is easy to be intimidated, but what I like about this church that you just talked about here uh, in Shelby is that their response was not to hide, their response was not to, uh, you know, to hunker down and hope nobody would take too much notice of them. They responded with nightly revivals. And I think that is kind of where we ought to be looking as God's people in the face of attacks. We ought to remember that they've attacked, you know, God's people in the past. The, uh, the Christian history is full of attacks upon Christianity, Christian churches. And instead of uh, hiding, we need to get out there. We need to stand up. We need to have nightly revivals. We need to have prayer meetings. We need to stand up for the cause of Christ. Jesus said, in the world you shall have persecution, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that church, by holding the nightly revivals, are saying that the darkness is not going to put out the light of the gospel, but they're going to go forward and and share the good news of Jesus in their community, even though they've been attacked and vandalized and intimidated by these violent acts of vandalism. We're going to talk about what a local church should do uh, if you are the victim of a vandalism or an attempted arson or an attack at your church, uh, what you can do. Uh, in fact, I just got off the phone with Attorney General Dave Yost. He's going to be on the program in the next week or two. We're going to talk about this. Where uh, He was not aware of these specific incidences and we're going to make sure that his office has all the documentation, and then we're going to have the Attorney General on to discuss it. I'm so glad that Pastor Al is available today to join me on this program to discuss this. Again, this information came into the Ohio Christian Alliance yesterday uh, from a group of pastors in central Ohio who have an association uh, who do speak out on public policy issues, and they wonder if some of these attacks is in, in response to some of the public uh, statements they've made on public policy. Uh, it's not politicizing the church, but the church is a voice, and we can speak to um, public policy like any other civic group. Uh, and they shouldn't have to fear our, our voice being silenced uh, as a result of that speech. Now, we don't know if these attacks uh, were a result of that. Certainly some of these church aren't, churches aren't a part of that association uh, at all down in Washington County and up in Willoughby, uh, those are other incidents. Are they isolated incidents, or is this a coordinated attempt at the church of vandalizing and attacking churches in Ohio? One thing is for sure. Churches are under assault like no other time in recent history, and maybe even in all of our history as a state, and we need to pay attention as to what's happened. 
Pastor, you were reading to me earlier a national publication that was issued in April, and it showed uh, Ohio was uh, one of the top states in which attacks occurred. Uh, share that information with us. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about this, uh, we saw we saw an uptick in attacks against churches uh, after the defeat of Roe v. Wade, of course, and and along with the uh, uh, the uh, right to life uh, operations and things. But the the increase in attacks on churches in just the first three months of 2023, according to this article that was in the Christian Post uh, back in April. It says that the Family Research Council recorded, and this was just the first three months of of the year, uh, 15 attacks against churches in the first three months of 2018, 12 in the same period in 2019, 14 in the first quarter of 2021. Um, There were uh, 22 in the uh, first uh, four months of 2022, uh, none in 2020, I guess, but... uh, the numbers are up, 43 documented incidences, and Ohio, along with Tennessee, are second in the nation. North Carolina was number one uh, with seven incidents. Ohio and Tennessee each had five, and uh, five is five too many, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but it does show a decided uptick that we can see uh, that uh, since certainly 2022 is a large number, and now this year even more. Uh, uh, on the move. That's right. And just in the last month, there's been a half a dozen attacks, major attacks in the state of Ohio just in the month of August alone. Folks, that's why we're bringing this attention to you on this program. The church is under attack. We as Christians need to be prayerful. We need to be vigilant. We need to be awake. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. I'm reading from a publication here in of a church in Fredericktown, Ohio. That's just north of Columbus. This was the biggest, of course, uh, calendar day is Resurrection Day. We all, as pastors, get excited about it. As Christians, we get excited about it, to celebrate the risen Lord. And just before Easter Sunday, a church in Fredericktown, Ohio, was attacked this year. Churches serve as a haven when the world becomes overwhelmed. The congregation of the Christ of King Community Church is dealing with uncertainty after a vandal caused extensive damage to their billing during the Resurrection Week. While the tomb of the Resurrection Day was empty, people were found inside the resilient Fredericktown Church, according to Pastor Lucian Baker. Surveillance cameras showed the perpetrator arrived around 2 o'clock Wednesday morning when uh, was on the grounds for six or seven hours damaging windows, floor tile, and furniture. Uh, Pastor Baker said, uh, he, the vandal, was sitting out there. He was agitated, Pastor Baker said. He threw one big brick through the main door of the church and shattered the glass. He waited a little while, then picked up another brick and threw it through the window. Vandalizing religious property is a federal crime and can be punished by fine and or pr- imprisonment. Pastor Baker said the group of parishioners worked hard to paint to repair the church uh, of, of Ohio 95 for Easter, damage inc- damages include the door, several windows, the interior, the floor, several pieces of furniture, and a communion table. Several tables have glass embedded in their top, estimated cost uh, between twelve dollars and $15,000. So, Pastor, here again, is another church that was heavily vandalized, and you can see he, on the video they saw later, this man was agitated, probably demonically inspired. And uh, this is the kind of 
uh, evil that's on the rise across the nation. You know, the Church of Satanism is a fast-growing church right now. Unfortunately, the people have rejected the truth of God and have turned themselves over to a lie. Pastor Al, your thoughts? You're absolutely right. And, and again, when you look at what's happening, you, you mentioned about the Church of Satan on the rise. They reported that just after the, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, the number of applications to the Satanic Temple of Ohio, which is in Columbus, I believe, their numbers went up from getting four or five applications a week to 15 to 20 applications a week. Oh, Lord. And so that's just a huge jump in, in just recent years, and it doesn't seem to be leveling off. We're seeing more and more cases uh, in the media where school teachers are uh, promoting uh, satanic imagery and even uh, Satanism itself in the public schools and and uh, in the uh, public libraries and things. Uh, we, we see these things being uh, mainstreamed more and more, and I believe what you indicated, we've turned away from God as a nation. And uh, I forget who it is that said it, that said when, when a people stop believing in God, they'll believe in something else. They won't believe in nothing. They'll believe in something else. And I do think that's a part of the problem today. Absolutely. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Ephesians 6, 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Pastor, we are seeing um, the church is starting to receive attacks and assaults, and um, because evil is on the rise in this country, People need to be vigilant in their faith. Your thoughts? You're right. And and again, I'd like to go back to that church in Shelby, their response to have the nightly uh, revival meetings. This is what God's people need to do in the face of the rise of Satanism, the rise of violence against churches. We as Christians need to get together individually. We need to rededicate ourselves to the Lord, and we need to get on our knees and pray. And as churches... Our churches need to come together, and our churches need to begin or remember that our first job is to uphold the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we can start turning back in a sense of revival in the face of this attack upon Christianity in our state, I think we can see some tremendous ground gained by Christians. Um, We know that in the latter days, as you read, perilous times will come. Well, in the latter days, we're in those days, and we're in those perilous times. More than ever, we need to get back to Christ in our churches. 
Absolutely, Pastor Al, and people need to be emboldened uh, for their faith. The, the, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, the righteous are as bold as a lion, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. And folks, we need to have that righteous boldness that comes from Christ and knowing him that our sins are forgiven, uh, that we are cleansed, and that we're standing on the word of God in truth and proclaim the good news of Jesus. It is for everyone, whosoever will, uh, let him come. And so even some of these perpetrators, uh, we hope that they come to faith in Christ, uh, you know, that they come to recognize Jesus as their Savior and they can be forgiven, certainly not just of this vandalism, but of all their sins. Uh, that is the good grace of God. That is the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Pastor, when we think about all this that's befallen us in these days, we can see that the rule of law itself, as we saw that former president Donald Trump and 19 of his aides, his attorneys, and, and some of his advisors were charged by a county prosecutor in Fulton County, Atlanta. You know, we cannot divide the news items. We have to connect them. And when you have the breakdown of the rule of law, meaning a former president that served our country uh, upheld and loves this country, being persecuted by a rogue political um, county prosecutor. And, and you might say, well, why did President Trump go there? Because he believes in the rule of law. Uh, because if we, if we don't have the rule of law in America, we have anarchy, folks. And that's why these churches are being attacked, because Satan wants to have no laws at all. That, it, that life has no value. The breakdown of the rule of law means anarchy. You're not safe in your own street, in your own home at that point, if we don't have the rule of law. That's why the political left, the Marxists, are trying to destroy everything that's good about our country. People come from all around the world to come here. Why? Because there's, there's truth in, the, in the, there was the rule of law, that you are innocent till proven guilty, that you have the process of uh, the the justice system, but when you violate and and make vile that same justice system, what hope do we have? We're like no other tin pot dictator, third country, world uh, uh, banana republic. Pastor Al, that's what's happening. People are seeing this happen in Atlanta and in New York, and these trumped up charges in uh, Washington against the former president. It, and and it's never happened where he is a candidate on the Republican uh, side, and uh, the current Democratic leadership that's corrupt and vile and it's self-corrupted, and we've seen Joe Biden has taken bribes from other countries when he was vice president and his son, but he's not being prosecuted. People are saying, why is that not happening? Because, folks, we don't hold the Attorney General's office. We don't hold the power right now. Pastor Al, your thoughts? Absolutely. And Paul nailed it when he said in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we are certainly seeing spiritual wickedness in high places in our country today. And uh, God's people need to take a stand. You mentioned the armor of God earlier, and I would, I would mention there's nothing to protect the back because we're not supposed to be retreating, are we? As the song says, onward, Christian soldiers. And not backward Christian uh, Amen. pacifists. We're supposed Amen. to be advancing. That's right, Pastor, and we're going to do just that. We're going to do, folks, everything we can to defeat that 
radical, evil abortion ballot measure in November in Ohio. We're going to have to push it below 50% in Ohio and get enough of our fellow countrymen to vote against it as well to save unborn lives. And you're going to help us, folks. Um, And listen, you can follow us on Twitter at OCA President. That's where you can follow us, OCA President. Um, On Twitter, you can also follow us on Facebook at Ohio Christian Alliance. We have a membership page. You can go there, ask to be part of the membership. We'll we'll, uh, prove you to be on there. We are able to post a lot of things on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We can't just send out an email. You can also go to our website at ohioca.org. And you can join up for our email list if you go there. There's also important information. We'll also be having the church bulletin insert on issues one and two. And we will uh, have that up there shortly. Pastor Al, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris. God bless. Thank you, my friend. God bless you all. And stay tuned. We're going to listen to um, Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute on educational choice in Ohio. Don't go away. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News and Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, we're back from our vacation uh, time. Uh, we were out, actually out west of the wonderful state of Washington State, up there in the great northwest, and we were able to take in some of the great sites uh, of the area. That is the Olympic National Park and Forest in the coastal region, and also Mount Rainier. And the weather was just incredible uh, and, and clear, and so we just had a great time. We were also there for some family uh, activities as well. So uh, thank you for uh, bearing with us as we were out of town. But uh, we're back at it. And, of course, uh, school is back at it as we return back to Ohio. And school is back in session. And so uh, this is an exciting year, of course, because this is the largest expansion 
of school choice uh, funding by the state of Ohio that we've ever seen. Uh, in fact, more families are benefiting from the Ed Choice program uh, that was passed in House Bill 33 uh, earlier this year, which uh, really a lot of uh, families are able to benefit now from um, uh, funding that uh, which would normally go to a public school, using it to the school of their choice, whether it's a parochial school, Christian school, charter school, public school. Uh, they can use that money for their student uh, as they see fit. So it's more of a freedom of educational choice expansion in the state of Ohio, if we could actually call it that way. Uh, but uh, it was a large increase, uh, but we're going to talk about the details of it with our good, fr good friend Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. He is the Senior Research Fellow at the Buckeye Institute, public policy uh, think tank there in the state of Ohio in Columbus, helps with a lot of information to our legislators uh, as far as uh, policy and uh, basically the information they need to make proper decisions on public policy. Uh, Greg, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me on, Chris. Really appreciate uh, being able to get on here and talk about something that is uh, really just very exciting and something I think uh, every Ohio family that's got kids in uh, K-12 through education uh, should be really very excited about. It's just an incredible opportunity that's been opened up here. Uh, and so uh, it's exciting to talk about it, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing to promote it and to, frankly, build off of it for the future, too. Well, for years, we were pushing for ed choice in Ohio. Uh, my wife and I raised eight children, all, of course, which are uh, raised and on their own now and have their own children. So now it's all about our grandchildren. And so we're basically watching our grandchildren benefit from the things that we tried to push for years ago. And it's taken some time to get it through the Ohio legislature. Uh, of course, we'd love to see a universal ed choice program. But this is, uh, this is a major expansion. Explain to us exactly what happened in House Bill 33. Sure. Well, I think the simplest uh, thing to say is that it does universalize school choice in the state of Ohio. Every family uh, that has a student uh, in K-12 through education uh, is eligible now for a voucher. Now, uh, I'll kind of walk through it. There, it. It got a little more. It's universal. Everybody can get one. Uh, but the amount might vary depending on the amount of income that you have. So essentially, probably for the majority of Ohio families, probably somewhere around 70% or so of, of families, will get a full uh, voucher called Ed Choice. And so this is an expansion of the main Ed Choice program. So if you got a, a student uh, who is in any grade between kindergarten and eighth grade, uh, and you're below 450% of the poverty guidelines, the federal poverty guidelines. And so just to put that into context, that'd be uh, a family of four, that'd be $135,000 for a family of four. So uh, two parents, two kids, they could make up to $135,000 in household income. And they would be eligible for the full voucher, which is $6,165 uh, for a student in K through eight. And then they would also be eligible for 8407 dollars uh, for a student who would be in high school. Uh, now, if you make above that dollar amount, there's basically a, a sliding scale, and you would get a lower dollar amount voucher. But uh, the least that anybody could get, and this is for folks that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, would be six, basically about 10% or $650 for K-8 through eight 
and then another 950 for 9 through 12. But that, again, that lower dollar amount uh, would be uh, only kicking in for those that are pretty high up there on the uh, on the income scale, basically uh, like 750% of the poverty level. So if you think about that, that's well over $200,000 uh, in income a year. So it's not 100% uh, uh, funding for every single student in the state of Ohio. There have been, you know, a lot of proposals at the state house uh, for that, so it didn't quite get there. But the eligibility is universal, and I think that is the critical thing here. Everybody who wants one can get one. And what this really does is it's going to give an opportunity to families where this was out of reach in the past. Uh, how much help uh, could it have done for you, <laughs> uh, you know, Chris? And frankly, I look at this now and think about how much it could have done for me with the three kids that I now have, too. Uh, and I wish something like this had been on the books years ago. And so it's taken us a while to get here. Uh, but I think that this is a massive step in the right direction. And I'll give the General Assembly uh, uh, credit. The state Senate in particular really pushed very aggressively uh, on this. A lot of individual House members pushed on this. Uh, but this was a big victory for everybody who has wanted to see more opportunities for families to be able to get some of their own tax money back into their hands so that they can make a decision about what is right for their own individual students. Well, that's right. And, of course, uh, in the long household uh, through the years, we did homeschool. We did private school and Christian school. Uh, we did um, uh, a couple of different types of Christian schools, actually. Uh, we also did online charter school. So this would have benefited us, uh, at least through the Christian school and charter school aspect, um, but not through the homeschool. So homeschool students are not applicable to this uh, current uh, funding system. Is that right? That is correct. So this means that if you wanted to, to uh, apply for this um, monies that would go to the school and you say you're in a, a certain public school district, but you would like for your children to go to the, the Christian school, you can, and again, you can see, as Greg stated, we're going to send this link out with the radio broadcast today uh, that's going to show the proportions according to the federal poverty levels as he stated, between 450% below 450% up into uh, 750% or higher. But it shows the, the graduated scale of the amount per student, K through 8 or 9 through 12. So this was a big victory for school choice in the state of Ohio. It's, it's, it's essentially universal school choice. It's not what we would call the backpack bill that uh, is popular in some other states around the country. But this is the closest thing to it, isn't it, Greg? It definitely. And, you know, when I look at there's some other things that were done in the budget in the in the char public charter school space that also a expanding opportunities to schools that maybe do things a little bit differently uh, than your just regular zip code traditional district school. Uh, so when you look at all of this put together, uh, and I've been following this stuff for a long time. I've been with the Buckeye Institute for over a decade and was following school choice even before I joined. I can say this is the biggest single budget, uh, a pro-school choice budget that I've seen in Ohio. Um, you know, there are some states out there that might be a little bit ahead of us. A lot of states like out west, uh, particularly Arizona, has done a lot of work in this space. But, bio, but in Ohio here, this is incredible. This is this is a big movement. It's moved a mountain. Uh, I don't think this is the end 
uh, place. You mentioned the backpack bill. There's a lot of ways to get us even further. Uh, there's education savings accounts, which I think are even even better than vouchers for a whole host of reasons. There's things we need to talk about in the future, too. But I, I, I just think it's important to really kind of sit back and look at this and think about where we've come. Uh, you know, in the 1990s, there were no options, nothing. There was no, there was no such thing as vouchers. And then there was the Cleveland Scholarship uh, that came about in the 90s. And ultimately, it was that particular program uh, that uh, there was litigation on, and it all went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The re- That's right. Uh, former Governor Avoinovich pushed for that. Uh, right. Obviously, the former mayor of uh, Cleveland and then our Ohio governor, he pushed for educational choice because of the failing Cleveland schools. They were yeah. constantly in a um, failing or crisis mode, and he said these students need options. These parents need options uh, for the education of their children in Cleveland. So it did become the model of what now we have as universal school choice. Explain. Yeah. Well, it, before that, there, there was no no ability to do that. So if you were someone who was in a, uh, particularly if you were a low-income individual, or even a middle-income person, you know, tuition is not cheap, as we all know. And, and so it would be a real challenge. So if you happen to live in certain areas, you kind of were trapped by where you were zip-coded, which was oftentimes, obviously, as a function uh, of, of, of income. And a lot of these things, Cleveland was doing very, very poorly, and there was a desire to, to make a change. And, and so the Cleveland plan came in. Uh, there was litigation on it. People who didn't like it basically were saying it was you know, violating the separation of church and state. So they sued, and this case went all the way to the Supreme Court right here out of Ohio, and this is the U.S. Supreme Court in the early 2000s said, no, it's not a violation uh, at all uh, because the money is actually going to the parent, and the parent is choosing uh, the school, which has, uh, yes, there might be uh, religious instruction there, but the reason they're going to the school is because of the academics and the other aspects of it, and, they, and, and so it was found constitutional. And so that was a huge victory for Ohio, but then for a long time after that, you know, we created a program, EdChoice, which originally... Uh, was not income-based at all. It was basically you had to be in a public school district that was underperforming, kind of like how Cleveland was. Yes. So there was a lot of complicated things that would happen. And essentially, if school districts performed poorly on state testing for a set number of years, you might be, or actually I should say even a school building, down to the individual building that you were going to, your student was going to, uh, you had to, to have a failing school, essentially, in order to be eligible. So uh, while that was better than what the status quo was at the time, it was obviously highly restrictive. So we've been growing for a while, and there have been other uh, budgets and other uh, other efforts to expand this. But this really, again, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, maybe I sound a little too effusive in my praise, but I think it really can't be uh, overstated how big of a deal it is to have gone to this next level in this particular budget, and then to kind of look back over where we came from uh, there in those that era before Governor Voinovich, as you as you kind of walked through there, Chris, and and the Cleveland plan uh, all the way through where we are today, it's just a remarkable difference. And and the key thing here is it's going to help students across the board. And charter schools, by the way, too, are are, are seeing some very important changes in this budget uh, that will make them uh, be able to to do more. Uh, than they've been able to do historically because of some some funding issues that uh, frankly disadvantaged them as it compared to uh, district schools uh, and and charter schools are are public schools so they're not private schools but they're public but they 
they are allowed to do things a little bit differently. They can choose different kinds of curriculum. They can choose different sort of teaching methodologies to help meet different kinds of needs of different kinds of students. So it's not that sort of one-size-fits-all approach that tends to happen in district schools, which, again, nothing wrong. I don't, I, you know, I don't want it to come off like we're saying something negative. It's just that if you have a district school, you have to sort of teach to the median, right? You kind of have to teach uh, there because you've got so many students that are in there. There's just limitations to what you can do. Uh, there's obviously, there's, you know, issues with the way the administration operates at the district level and what kind of requirements they impose on individual schools. So charter schools were designed to be another option for families that might want something a little bit different. But again, historically, they've been under, frankly, underfunded. Uh, this budget does a number of things to help provide more funding equity uh, between uh, charter schools and district schools. Uh, so when you look at that, that's another option for some families that might not want to take advantage of the Ed Choice voucher. Uh, maybe they want to go to a, a charter school that, that happens to meet their needs. And there's a lot of different schools opening up with a lot of different curriculums and, and things, including now even some, some classical schools uh, that are starting to, to emerge. All right, don't go there yet. I want to talk about enrollment. So enrollment up is very much up for this new program. Tell us about enrollment numbers. Yeah, so far, uh, early on with the applications, and mind you, the budget was just passed at the end of June and signed by the governor into law in July. So we have application windows that are opening. So there has been, my understanding is, there's been a deluge of applications. I think the previous high was somewhere in the 80,000 range, and my understanding was about at least a, a, a little over a week ago uh, was around 100,000 had already applications were already in. Now, uh, there's some things that you got to go through. you got to do some income verification because, obviously, that determines the amount of the voucher you get, uh, as we were talking about earlier. So there's some administrative things that, that have to be done uh, at to process the applications. But I would assume the vast majority of those are going to not have you know too many issues, or if there are, they'll be resolved, which means that we're going to see a historic uh, number of, of students uh, being able to take advantage of these vouchers. And I think that's going to be a great thing. It's going to be a great thing for existing schools. I think it's also, you know, it's an opportunity. We're a free market think tank in the Buckeyes. We think competition is a great thing. This is going to be, we're, we're seeing these numbers. There's over, that's 20,000 more people uh, uh, that have applied than ever before. And if that continues to grow, and I'm assuming it's probably grown since the last time I got an update, uh, that's going to create an incentive for folks to, to open up new opportunities. Schools that were that were downsizing may not have to downsize now. Maybe the, some will even expand. Maybe there will be new schools. And, you know, obviously it's very important for a lot of the private Christian schools. I think that's critically important. But there's going to be some schools that might open up that, uh, again, uh, do maybe there they won't be per se uh, 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 you know, a religious school. They may have a different uh, model that they want to do uh, that meets the needs of different students. And I think that's going to be a great thing. Uh, the, the key thing here is education needs a massive shakeup. Uh, the system that we have all come to understand, the traditional public school model, it has its benefits, it has uh, some things that are positive in it, but it's also got a lot of downsides, and, and especially for in certain students. We saw an awful lot of that with the COVID shutdown. Obviously, there was the shutdown itself. There's what a lot of families saw when they were getting on those Zoom classrooms that they realized wasn't what they wanted to see. They were shocked, frankly, uh, by what they were seeing. And, and what school choice does is it gives parents the chance uh, to really tailor what they need, find the place that meets their needs for their students. And sometimes 
um, you know, they, they may not even they may not even send all their kids to the same school uh, because you wouldn't necessarily have to, right? You know, some one student might do fine in a public school, and but the, their sibling might do better in a private school and get the Ed Choice voucher. Why shouldn't they have that? This is going to create that opportunity in a way that has never been allowed before. So again, probably about a hundred thousand so far. I'm assuming there's going to be more. I think this is going to be a great opportunity. It's going to create an incentive for other people to to start opening up schools, to create uh, even more ability for families to find exactly the right fit. Well, let's talk about how this is actually happening. So, for instance, folks, you live in a school district. Uh, Your student money goes directly to the district school. But if you choose for your student to go to a Christian school, you can make application for this grant. Uh, essentially, this is the Ed Choice program uh, that was just expanded this spring in the state of Ohio. So you need to know about this, and so that uh, that tuition could be paid for by these monies. It would be taken away from the public school and given directly to your Christian school or private school. Let me give you the phone number of because uh, there's people that haven't applied for this yet. Uh, there's a window then for them to be able to receive the monies yet this year. What is that window, Greg? Uh, actually, yeah, ask me too quick. I got to double check the exact uh, time on there to be sure I don't misstate uh, my window on here. Um, well, you're looking it up. I'm going to give them the phone number. The number is 614-728-2743 uh, or 877-644-6338. Again, that's 614-728-2743. This is the Ed Choice Program for Ohio. They'll answer your questions. This is the EdChoice Scholarship Program that's just been expanded. You can also email them at edchoice at education.ohio.gov. That's edchoice at education.ohio.gov. And you can get a scholarship for your student that's going to a private or Christian school uh, in your district for the first time. And, again, it's uh, you'll see also in the link that we will send out with this broadcast the uh, graduated scale depending upon income-based of how much per student, K through 8 and 9 through 12. What is the window for them to still be able to apply for these the grants? The window is actually pretty broad, uh, so that's a good thing. So it's uh, actually the window is open through June 30th of next year. So uh, I thought they had opened the window up a little bit more broadly than they've had in the past uh, because that's always been a bit of a of a burden on folks to be able to, to realize what's going on and to be able to make the application. So uh, uh, the window is is broadly open, but I would say that the sooner you do it, it's always better to uh, get in early and, and, and because they're getting so many uh, that, um, you know, one of the challenges that they're going to have is uh, making sure they can process all these applications with the staff that they have. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't get frustrated uh, with things. And I'm going to, you know, we're trying to keep on top of making sure that these applications are getting processed as expeditiously as possible. So hopefully if there's any kind of an issue there, Families can stay in contact, and I can tell you this, if you're waiting for like weeks or something and you contact a legislator, <laughs> the legislator will get to the department uh, pretty dang quickly uh, to make sure that uh, things are moving forward. Ed Choice Program. Let's talk about classical education. We have a few minutes left. Classical education, Hillsdale College, the great uh, conservative college in Michigan, is actually fostering uh, with uh, helping new classical education schools get started, uh, especially in the uh, high school level. Explain to us that, and I know of one that's opening here in Northeast Ohio. Pe- people are pretty excited about this. Explain. 
Sure. Uh, so basically, Hillsdale has an entire curriculum uh, that is classical education. So we're talking about recapturing a lot of the stuff that's been lost in, in, in sort of the modern movement uh, of education. This is about going back and understanding classic literature, classic philosophy, understanding what it means to be a citizen uh, in a country that has freedom like the United States. This is the kind of thing that would have been very common uh, up through a good chunk of the 20th century, but is, is, has now unfortunately changed in some areas. So uh, what Hillsdale has done, which has really done yeoman's work, is, is help put together a, a very rigorous uh, type curriculum uh, that meets the needs of families that are looking for something that is truly academically challenging, but also inspiring, I think, to individual families uh, as well. And so they're working with uh, interested, you know, basically interested people. It's charter schools or public schools, but they have their own individual boards. And so these come together and they work uh, with Hillsdale. Hillsdale doesn't run the school. It's the board uh, that runs the school. But Hillsdale helps provide training for the, for the staff, the headmaster, for teachers. Uh, they do incredible work there. They offer the curriculum. Uh, and so they're helping kind of seed these schools and offer these opportunities to uh, folks around the state. And it's, it's starting to, to kind of take off here, I think. I, I know you mentioned the one up in, in, in your neck of the woods. Uh, one's been open now uh, uh, in Cincinnati. Cincinnati Classical Academy is doing exceptionally well. Uh, there's uh, some efforts to get a school here in central Ohio in the Columbus area, hopefully opening in 2024. Um, so they're starting to pop up. I think you're going to see additional ones. I've heard there's one. I think there's some, an efforts in Athens of all places, believe it or not, Athens where Ohio University is, which I think uh, they really probably need that <laughs> down in that neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, so so there's a lot of these that are popping up, and and so I will say they're not easy. Uh, this is not something. This is this takes a lot of effort. Uh, the people who are on these boards are usually not only are they true believers in in the classical education, but they're usually uh, very engaged uh, community uh, people who uh, have a lot of background in, in various things, sometimes education, sometimes business, uh, because th it's a hard process to start a charter school because it is a public school. There's a lot of rules, regulations, legal requirements that you've got to uh, address. Uh, and also it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to get these off the ground. But if you happen to hear of folks and you're anywhere near where you are, uh, you hear that they're trying to make an effort. I would encourage uh, listeners to to talk to any of the people that are on those boards, uh, uh, you know, to to really give them uh, support. And for for those that have uh, an interest, maybe and in, and in, in, in trying to get this where they are, uh, start talking internally uh, to to folks at Hill. You can you can reach out to Hillsdale. You can reach out to folks at some of the schools. Uh, you know. I'm always happy to, to, to offer help. So uh, I, I, there's people and resources that you can reach out to to try to get started here because this is something that I think is going to really uh, going to take off. I think there's a real hunger for this now, perhaps more than any time that I recollect. And so these opportunities are coming. There's funding from the state that's going to be able to help facilitate this. It's not easy to do, but it's the right thing to do to get as many of these as we can off the ground. All right. Well, Greg, thank you for being my guest today. We've run out of time. Again, this has been a great program about Ed Choice. We'll have the link up on our website at ohioca.org. We'll also send it out with a podcast so you can look up the information and make an application for your student for an educational choice voucher. Greg, thanks for being my guest. Thank you. 
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.